Good day and welcome to Pop Culture and Penicillin, the podcast where we mix popular culture topics in medicine to show that medicine and science are all around us. I am Dr. LJ and I am joined by my co-host, the Dr. Warren. What's up, everybody? How's it going? So we are dedicating this episode to all of the mothers out there, biological and otherwise, as we celebrate you and wish you all a very happy Mother's Day. Yes. Any special words for your mother, Warren, on this Mother's Day? Oh, of course. Of course. Numerous, numerous words for mom. First, happy Mother's Day. I always thank my mom every year for tugging me around for those long, uncomfortable looking nine months. Appreciate it. Thank you for all you've done for me. Sorry I can't be there with you on Mother's Day, but obviously we'll talk. I mean, we pretty much talk every day, but still, sorry I can't be there. And I'm there with you in spirit. And yeah. Happy Mother's Day. And also happy Mother's Day to my sister as well. This is her second Mother's Day. Yes. Well, wait, wait. Second, 2000. Oh, wow. Let me get this right. Yes. Second Mother's Day. I'm so happy. Happy Mother's Day to her too as well. You deserve it. Both you and mom. Oh, that's pretty That's pretty sweet. So I want to say a happy Mother's Day to my mother and celebrate my mommy, affectionately known as Shay. And she's TJ's Nana and TJ's Yaya. I want to send you love from here to the moon and back again. So sorry I couldn't be there to celebrate this year, but I'm hoping that you have an amazing Mother's Day. And likewise, I'd like to send my Mother's Day greetings out to my sister. This is her. Up, up, up. This is Look at you. Try to get me. Try to get on me. <laughs> this is actually her third Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, she was she's the apple of the eye of the family because she she produced the very first grandchild. And so everybody's really excited. And he spoiled as a result. Happy Mother's Day once again to all of the mothers out there. We really appreciate all that you do for us. So we're very excited this episode because we are going to feature our very first listener question. Yes, we are. And continue to write into us, everyone. So this letter comes from Camille. Uh, We thought it was very timely because Camille writes in reference to our last episode about the coronavirus. So Camille, thank you for your letter. And here's what she wrote. Hello, Dr. Warren and Dr. LJ. I love your show. And I thank you all for showing that you can dispense information to the public in an innovative way while still being professional and true to yourself. Oh, thanks, Camille. Appreciate it. I appreciate you all taking the time to break down the details of the coronavirus as I am a concerned millennial with a small household. I just recently heard that some states will be opening up in the near future. I was hoping to get your take on this decision. Is this a good decision from a healthcare standpoint? Love you both, Camille. So, LJ, what do you think? That's a very good question. I think that it's a very complex set of circumstances that will determine how states should be reopening. I think it's premature in the current state of affairs to reopen many of the states. I think there needs to be a very a coordinated effort from the federal government in concert with local and state governments to ensure that states open at a time when it's feasible to do so and when we will not put a large swaths of the population at risk for contracting COVID-19. I think that's pretty important because if we do it too prematurely, then we may find ourselves in a worse situation if we find that we have a second wave of infections 
after we start to commingle once again. Yeah, I think this is analogous to quitting your antibiotics before you feel better. You know, we always tell patients, make sure you take your antibiotics despite you feeling better, because if you stop them, you might regress back to being infected. And so I think that's what's happening right now, because everything that we're seeing right now, all the progress we made, all the benefits that we see are because of things that we've done two weeks ago. So I'm concerned because with states opening up, Although it looks good now, and two weeks is really what really show how reopening up affects the COVID situation. I mean, and it also concerns me too, because when you look at what the federal government and what all the healthcare agencies that have been supposed to be, that are leading us through this have been telling us, as far as the references they've given us and the resources, as far as the guidelines for reopening, for reopening it doesn't match what they've shown us. You know, a lot of these states, a lot of these areas that are reopening still have an incline in their number of cases. And the guidelines state that you should be on the downward portion of your curve for 14 days before opening up. So none of these decisions are matching the science that we've been told to go to to help us predict and understand what the situation is and how we're progressing through it. I agree. I think you're analogy is an excellent one. And I just say, I just think to wrap up our response to the question, it is important that, you know, cooler heads prevail. The last episode, we spoke about the 1918 flu pandemic and how we saw very good outcomes when guidelines were followed and when we saw very poor outcomes and loss of life when they weren't followed. And so thank you very much, Camille, for that amazing question. Awesome. So let's jump into our morning report. Let's catch up on what's been going on since we last connected. I'm very excited, super excited, thrilled, enthralled by this episode's morning report because something monumental has happened. Okay, please since let us know. Insecure has returned. Oh, it has. Shout out to Issa yes. Rae and yes. Insecure. Shout out to Evo and Orgy. Shout out to all of the cast of characters. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. So, okay. The bigger question on the table now, though, is given the episodes that have been presented, are you Team Issa or are you Team Molly? I'm Team Issa. What are we talking about? So, why? Please explain why you're Team Issa. I mean, I don't see how anybody can be really mad at Issa. I mean, as it refers, okay, so right now where we are recording the show and what's been released to us, we there are two issues right now. There is Issa's awkwardness with the Condola Lawrence relationship, and then there's Issa with Molly. So when you talk about Team Issa, Team Molly, I think you have to kind of to split those up. So are you saying you're Team Molly for both situations, or are you Team Molly for one or the other, and Team Issa for the other? I think you're trying to hedge your explanations, and I think you either are Team Molly or Team Issa. I don't think there's a complexity there between huh? mm-hmm. like, what's All going right. on with the situations. Well, I'm Team Issa for both of them. And it's because, first off, well, first off, because let's talk about the Condola situation. Issa is trying to do something productive for the community with Condola. They both share the same mission. Their situation the uh, block party has a bigger purpose and a bigger meaning than their situation. They have to look beyond that. So I don't think they should ruin relationships with people. I don't think they should sacrifice the project they're performing just because of this Lawrence situation. Also, too, before they even knew about Lawrence, well, before they knew they both knew Lawrence, they were cool. So I think letting Lawrence come in, it would just split them up. And I don't think that's something that should be glorified or encouraged. You know, it's awkward, obviously, but if they move past it, then they could do great things together. In reference to what's going on with her and Molly, that's complex because I feel like the episode before this last episode where Issa invited Condola to lunch 
and that episode, I feel like it made me more Team Issa. And even the episode before that too, where Molly, where Molly called, even the team, in the episode before that, it made, made me more Team Issa because Molly kind of was rude when she was saying how Issa liked the drama. But in this last episode, made you more Team Molly, I see, because Issa was talking about how Molly might scare off her man like she normally does. So I get it. And I feel like they're purposely writing it that way to make you flip-flop, to make you like Issa no. one, one episode so, so. and walk, like no. Molly another episode. Now you're hedging your... your what are you talking about? No, that's a good explanation. Because you want, you want to ride the line. You want to be Team Issa and you want to be Team Molly, right? So like we said... The stipulation was you're either Team Issa or you're Team Molly. I'm still a Team Issa, but I see the other Issa, side of the fence. Here's why I'm Team Molly. I think Molly has envisioned how this will end. She knows that there is going to be a spectacular crash and burn because the situation is so messy, right? And she's simply seeking to advise Issa that she ought not pretend to be Condola's best friend and try to be buddy buddy with her with all of the complexities surrounding their relationship. Right? No one's saying that she needs to abandon the block party idea. All Molly is suggesting is that you need to pull back a little bit so that this doesn't get too messy. And we already start to see how feelings have not really been settled in this very last episode where both Issa and Lawrence are starting to reconnect. And so we already see the wheels turning where this is going to be amazing <laughs> in terms of the fireworks that are going to come out well, of this when Candola finds out that they're connecting again. Well, yeah, I think everybody kind of, I'm pretty sure Lawrence and Easter are going to end up together in the end. I think everybody knows that's going to happen, or at least I hope it happens. But I don't think, I think what Molly should be doing should just be like saying, okay, here's my advice. Here's what I think is going to happen. It's your decision. I'm going to be them. I'm going to be with you, be there beside you regardless. Right? I don't know. But I think she's doing that while at the same time giving her sage advice that she should be pulling back to some extent and not seeking to be so intimately involved with Condola and trying to make her her best friend. You keep saying she's trying to make her her best friend. I don't think she's trying to make her her best friend. She's just trying to have a great working relationship with somebody who she's had a project with. I mean, and maybe she has to do a little bit of faking because it is awkward. And to overcome the awkwardness, she has to be a little bit fake. But if she doesn't overcome the awkwardness, then it'll be awkward. And then production of their project will be sacrificed. Again, like it's for the lar- the bigger picture. It, after this block party, Condola and Issa can cuss each other out and go about their ways. And I'm fine. But, but see, that just shows that she's being fake, right? No. I'm- so, so instead of, so if that's if that's your point, then why not just... Have a professional relationship, not seek to be putting up this facade where, oh, Condola and I are, you know, we're real cool and we're best of friends. Recognize that the situation is awkward. Work on a professional level. And then once everything is done, move on swiftly. But what if, what if those moments genuinely aren't awkward for Issa anymore? Like, what if she genuinely, genuinely is like, I'm trying to move on and she feels better? The premise of Insecure is that it was born out of awkward black girl. So clearly it's awkward for her. And so I think it's unfair to Issa to even suggest that this is not awkward for her. It is clearly awkward. We see the episode when they were in the coffee shop. Oh, yeah, that was awkward for me. Yeah, even I was awkward. (laughs) It was awkward for me. They're like, order order for hair for Issa. I'm just going to take my food to go. You know, so clearly it's awkward. 
Nevertheless, yeah, we've yeah. beaten this horse to death. I am still Team Molly, and I hope that everything works out for Issa in the end. But I think it is going to crash and burn rather spectacularly for this thruple that's going on, and it's not going to be good. Uh, I think it might. I mean, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt, or maybe not. Maybe Condola will like reconnect with her ex. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, guys, we're going to jump into our next two sections, a dose of penicillin and pop culture rounds. We're going to combine those this week or this month, excuse me. And we want to do something fun since for the past two episodes, we've talked about coronavirus. We want to do something a little bit more lighthearted and more fun. So again, staying in honor with our Mother's Day theme, we want to just do random stuff about moms, you know, pop culture things, medical things, you know, again, pop culture rounds and Joseph Penicillin. So we're just going to start off with talking about what Mother's Day was and, and how it was started. So Mother's Day was actually started in 1905 by a woman by the name of Anna Jarvis. And she founded Mother's Day in honor of her mother, Ann Jarvis, who was really big into infant mortality, right, LJ? Yeah. So the, the backstory behind that is that she gave birth to 13 children in her lifetime, but only four kids. Survived. 13 kids. That was kind of common back in the day. So um, a lot of kids. Only, yeah, but that was kind of what people did. So my parents are both one of 10. 10? So. How do you keep up with that many kids? Like, I can just imagine just taking them out. But nevertheless, so she had these 13 kids. Only four survived into adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. And she recognized the pain associated with that. And so she started a Mother's Day working group to try to improve the rates of infant mortality and seek to improve hygiene and services that mothers would need to ensure that their kids would survive into adulthood. And so that was her initial claim to fame. She then became a very staunch advocate of kind of peace in the midst of the civil war. And so she was someone who would offer prayers for both soldiers of the loyal to the union and then those who mm-hmm. were you know, loyal to the Confederate side. Yeah. So she was all all around a good person. So Anna wanted to honor this, obviously. So she created this day. She wrote into Congress. She said, can we have the day to honor mothers? And they said yes. But very soon, like most days, people started to cash in. People thought it was more of a day to get by expensive gifts for your mom versus to make the gifts like she she normally had intended. And so Anna was upset. And so Anna actually started to protest against Mother Day's events that did not go in line with what it was initially meant to be. Yeah, Anna wasn't playing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so much so that you were saying earlier that she, I mean, we were talking earlier that she actually got arrested. Oh, yeah, she did get arrested. Mm-hmm. So that's intense. But I think part of it was because she recognized that the day had been corrupted to such a great extent from what she had proposed. Because mm-hmm. in her original proposal, she said that she wanted Mother's Day to be the second Sunday in May, taking the form of a very private acknowledgement of all the mother does for the family. And so seeing it commercialized had her blood boiling. And so she was really upset about that and even sought to have the day rescinded. She wanted them to do away completely with Mother's Day, Mm. but it persisted into modern day times and it's something that we celebrate. Mm, Yes. And then when she died, she actually died broke and penniless and her funeral was paid by the same people who she spoke out against, the florist, the big corporations that cashed in on Mother's Day. Yeah, it's sad that she didn't benefit from 
but I think she wouldn't have wanted to anyway. And while I appreciate, you know, the gesture by the florists and the, the card making companies, I almost feel like that's pouring salt into the wound to say, okay. You know what? <laughs> I was going to say, like, are, were they, do you think that was them being petty? I would assume that they were being well-intentioned. I would hope that they were being well-intentioned. But it just seems really cruel to then turn around and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll help to bury you. But also mm. very kind. They're also very kind-hearted at the same time because mm-hmm. they didn't have to do it. So Tupac, his song, Dear Mama, remember that song? Yeah. In 1995, he came out with it. In 2009, I didn't realize this, but apparently it was inducted or accepted into the Congress Library Recording Registry. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Look at yeah. Tupac. Come through. Yeah. Well, for, well, to be honest, I didn't know that Congress had a library recording registry, to be honest. So that might be one reason why I didn't know it. <laughs> but it's interesting because in order to get inducted into it, apparently your music has to embody American life or American culture. And so it was great how they took that song and what it meant and said that, yeah, this is a part and, and acknowledged that it was a part of the American experience at some level. Yeah, but I think if you if you peel away the layers of a lot of the rap that we listen to today, there's a lot of truth to kind of the social situations of certain parts of America that otherwise wouldn't see the light of day. So I can see why a close analysis of that would you know, allow it to be inducted into that recording hall of fame. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought this was really cool. So these are some garbage knowledge facts, but really interesting. So Mother's Day makes up one quarter of all holiday sales of flowers and plants in the United States. Isn't that crazy? What, yearly? Annually, yeah. Oh, interesting. So it's only outpaced by Christmas festivities. Oh, I would think Valentine's Day or something would outdo it. No, but think about it. Everybody has a mother. Like the vast majority of people have mothers or someone who they consider to be their mother, right? Mm -hmm. And so think about how many people... Like one mother is getting multiple gifts from multiple children. So oh, that makes sense. When yeah. you add all of that up in aggregate, that's a lot oh, of fun. Some people are getting multiple Valentine's gifts from other people. <laughs> hey, no shame in that game. You know, if Don't hate the player, hate the game. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say on that. In addition to that, there are 122.5 million calls made on average per year on Mother's Day making it one of the busiest phone days of the year. Isn't that crazy? No, I believe that. I mean, it's messed up. It that. It's messed, yeah, I believe that. I bet you Father's Day doesn't have that many for sure. So, so I was going to say this, but given that this is Mother's Day, but the, con- <laughs> the flip side of it is that Father's Day is the busiest day for collect calls. <laughs> that is the shade that is the shade <laughs> why? That, I, know, I, know why. So, I know why it's so problematic I, I, that I, is like, very problematic <laughs> like, the moms because that shows that moms are holding it down that they would have people making the effort like children are making the effort to call their mothers uh, <laughs> and willing to absorb the, absorb the cost of calling their mothers and not doing the same for their fathers so <laughs> i think that that's pretty i thought that was pretty funny but nevertheless okay what else do you have i have want to do a question or do a fact sure sure you can. let's do a question oh i'm gonna do a fun question Ooh. So Issa comes up to you and she says, LJ, and you're like, what's up, Issa? And she's like, what's up, LJ? She's like, what's up again? And she's like, I got a question for you. And you're like, okay, Issa, what's up? And then she's like, okay, so I'm making this movie. And you're like, really, Issa? It's like a good, cool, cool movie. She's like, well, it is going to be. It's going to be about you. You're like, for real? Yeah, for real. 
and, <laughs> and, and she's is like, there, yeah, is so I a want, question buried yeah, somewhere? question. You and Issa get into it. He says, like, so I want to know, who would you pick to play your mother in the movie? You can choose. Anybody you want. To play my mom? To play your mother. It's really difficult, I think. So obviously she would have to be beautiful. She'd have to be intelligent. She'd have to be progressive, loving, an amazing mother. All these things. <gasps> Who would I choose? I would choose Felicia Richard. Okay, that's a good choice. I, th- I think that's a good balance. Like She's like my mom in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. My mom is not as spicy as she is. My mom is a little bit more demure, a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. But I think that she would probably be the closest correlate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would pick, for my mom, I would pick Angela Bassett for Ooh. my mom. Come through, Angela Bassett. Yeah. And it has to be like a mix between Angela Bassett, if I could mix two act- actresses together, which clearly I can, and be a mix between Angela Bassett and Loretta Devine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they're kind of like, they are. Personality yeah, wise, I feel like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. But that's who I that's who I think. That's pretty cool. Great actresses, all of them. Let me ask you this question. Go ahead. What was the worst gift you ever gave to your mom? The worst gift? I haven't given her any terrible gifts. Of course not. Whatever. We're, you've had some bad gifts. Even if it was a gift that hindsight, like at the time it was cute, but, but if you look back on it, it was probably the worst gift ever. I don't know, because I, th- I think that's a hard question. The worst gift I've ever given my mother? Mm-hmm. I didn't mind. I don't, I don't. Don't be so arrogant. You're giving your mom a bad gift. I'm not arrogant, but I, I don't think I have. <laughs> I really don't. I, I'm not even trying to be like problematic. Really? You're like, why would I give my mother a terrible gift? I mean, you would not know. You might not have knowingly thought you gave her a bad gift, but hindsight, you're just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have given her that. She probably would have liked something else a lot more. I'd have to ask her. <laughs> if she oh hated Whatever. You're, I can't think of any games. gift that I gave her that was terrible <laughs> or that I would have wanted to give her something else. I can tell you mine. So what is that? Oh my god! Like a few it's not like such a prude on this show. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, it sounds like I'm dodging the question. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, you dodging? So this was about two or three years ago, three four years ago. I was on this natural kick, like making gifts, and so for Christmas. I made my mom's, my mom, and my sister's gift, and so I basically found this uh, shea butter recipe. And I made them like the shea butter recipe, but I put it in like these jars, like these vase jars, these uh, these jars, like these small vases with the tops on it. And I wanted to give it like a cold rustic look to it. So you know how you put, you know, you make, they make like the homemade preserves and they have like the cloth on it to help seal it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have, wanted to have that look. So I remember like I made <laughs> this shea butter, which was, I mean, it was an okay gift, but it wasn't like anything like major. And then I remember I boiled like the tops of the jars to make them look all rustic and everything. And I remember like, it expanded the jar so it didn't fit on all, <laughs> all the way. So I had to put like the uh, cloth up there to kind of seal it. And then I had like hay at the bottom of the box where I put it in to make it look <laughs> like it was like a natural, give it the natural effect. I bought my mom a, uh, a silk pillowcase, a purple one to put with it. And yeah, it was just like a lot of homemade stuff that just did not hit. And I could just tell like my mom was like, yeah, thank you. This is so nice. But I think I saw the pillowcase like upstairs and like on the top of the closet shelf in my old room, like a couple like months back when I went back home. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you buy a pillowcase, you have to buy like a set. You can't just have one pillowcase. Why not? What, what pillow is she going to put it on? She put it on a pillow. Like That's her, that's her head pillow. Like just, that's the one she puts her hair, her head in. Why would you buy multiple 
my dad didn't sleep on sick pillows. Like he would talk, he would probably take the silk pillowcase off and just sleep on the bare pillow. Like he wouldn't do that. But it doesn't coordinate with anything. So you would have to, you have to think of it from her point of view. She can't just have this random pillowcase on her bed or in her room. Like really breaking, her, breaking up her design aesthetic. I, I agree with her. So I don't put it that. But that was a good, that was a good try though. I think like, don't try to change it around. I know so how you feel. Good, and you get an A for effort from me, but I think the pillowcase idea, I would have put it up on top of the shelf also. Like, <laughs> Nevertheless, I don't know. I think on the, in, the, in the spirit of like making things, I think one of the best gifts my siblings and I ever gave my mom for Mother's Day was this kind of wooden frame that we made. We were so proud of it because we cut the wood ourselves and we did all the woodworking. We went to the photo studio and we had a picture taken of the three of us. And then we kind of embedded it into the frame. And so I think that was really nice. Um, and she kept it for a really long time. She had it up until Hurricane Wilma came in and kind of took everything that we had. and dumped uh, it in. <laughs> So, but I think that was, I, can, I know the reverse. I think that's probably the best gift that we ever gave her. So Leave it to you for me to tell me, tell the worst gift I ever gave. And then you come back and contrast it with the best gift you ever gave. Because clearly you never given any bad gifts, whatever. Okay. Anyway. Did you know that colorblindness in men and male pattern baldness in men comes from the mother? Is inherited from your mom? I would have to say yes, because if I didn't, I would be a horrible doctor. Yes. <laughs> I probably should not have graduated medical school. Yes. Yeah. So explain to us what that means, Warren. Yeah. So it is a X-linked gene. And so your 23rd chromosome are your sex chromosomes. So speaking from a genetic standpoint, your 23rd chromosomes basically determine whether you are male or female from a genetic standpoint, that is. So girls have two X's as their pair of chromosomes. Guys have an X and a Y. They get the Y from their father. They get the X from their mother. On the X that the guys get from their mother are the genes for colorblindness and male pattern baldness. And some guys express them for reasons that we won't get into now. And then some guys don't express them. But for me, I got the, the gene for male pattern baldness. So, of course, I'm dealing with that every day of my life. But I handle it well, though. I think I have a good head for being bald. You do have a good head shape for being yeah. bald. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid if I ever have to go bald that it would not be a good look. Because I don't think my head is shaped appropriately. Speaking of you know suffering from an X-linked situation... I am colorblind. I'm severely colorblind. It's crazy. Mm. Colorblindness is is real. Not that it's a problem that, <laughs> that causes great difficulty in my life, but I cannot, I don't view the world in the same way that you guys do who have normal color vision. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you so don't have any red lights or anything like that or any green lights, so. No, because you live your life in context, right? So I know where the red, the yellow, the red, I guess the amber and then the green lights are, right? but I can't identify those colors. I know what they are. I know how I see them, but I don't, I would, I don't see them in the way that everyone else sees them. And I don't call so what them. What color red. do you see them? I don't know. If I knew the color, I'd call it red. I'm going to just get a crayon box for you. And I'm going to be like, okay, this color is red. Picking the crayon box, with <laughs> what color this looks like. But I got to know. And I think that's one of the cruelest things you'll ever do to somebody who has colorblindness. Because the first thing everybody wants to do is like, oh, what's that color? What's this color? Oh, <laughs> that is kind of shady. You're put on display and you feel like you're like in a zoo because everyone like, this is amazing. <laughs> and one question people always have is, do you see in black and white? I definitely don't see in black and white. I see colors. I just can't distinguish what they are. It's almost like I'm speaking a foreign language. I'm speaking 
a foreign language or someone is speaking a foreign language to me. I don't know how I passed elementary school, but I did. <laughs> well, they can hold you back because you were colorblind. That's discrimination. And then I think back then, like they kept showing you the same thing. It wasn't like as you get older, they test you with like different versions of what they've shown you. So I probably was able to be like, oh, this is purple. This is red. This is blue. Just because it's the same <laughs> color swatch that they're going to show me each time. So, so you, remember, you memorized the picture. <laughs> yeah, but I, I can distinctly remember when my teacher told me I was colorblind. I was in grade two. Her name was Miss Broadbent. And she was like, you're colorblind. And I went home and I told my mom, I was like, mom, my teacher told me I'm colorblind. And she's like, whatever, you're not colorblind. One last question I have for you. Who is your favorite sitcom mom? I'd say Felicia Richard, but I already said her in this. I already used her for an example in this episode. So I think the other person would be probably the original Aunt Biv. Uh, I was going to say that. She's a like, great actress. I like her spice. I like her. Yes. I like her whole vibe. I have two other facts that I think are really cool. So I always found it really interesting that the female egg is the largest cell in the body, right? in the human body, and it weighs about 175,000 times more than the smallest cell in the human body which is the male sperm. So I always thought that that was like really interesting that you have like complete opposites coming together to form life. That was pretty cool in my, in my little brain. And then the other thing, speaking of Mother's Day and what mothers do for us, when you look at diaper changes, moms on average take two minutes and five seconds to change a diaper, whereas dads take one minute and 36 seconds to change a diaper. <laughs> So it's more, it seems like it's more of a bonding experience with the mom, like for diaper changes than it is for dads. Or moms are just more careful. I don't know. Or maybe Something moms like are just thorough. Yeah, maybe moms are just yeah. thorough. <laughs> Way more thorough about making sure the baby's clean and dry before putting on the diaper than dad is. But I thought that was a really interesting fact, given that you know, we're talking about Mother's Day and the time and effort that they spend to ensure that we, you know, we grow into productive citizens and we're, we're healthy and happy. Thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin. We would love to hear your comments and contributions about the topics discussed on the episode and invite you to continue the conversation on social media. Yes, you can find us at PC and Pen. That's P-C-A-N-D-P-E-N on all social media platforms and via email at PCNPen at gmail.com. You can contact Dr. Warren. That's me at the Dr. Warren. That's T-H-E-D-R-W-A-R-R-E-N on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. LJ at Dr. McLJ on Instagram. And that is D-R-M-C-L-J. Dr.